Yes, we're talking to Andre Darlington, and uh, his book is Bar Menu. And I'm totally in love with this book. And Andre, I may be totally in love with you too, because I certainly get a kick out of you and about all your writing. I learned so much from your books. Oh, thanks so much, and thanks for having me on. I love to hear that. That's great to be back. I'm telling you to start with, I'd be remiss if I didn't note. Who did your food styling? I mean, the, um, the photography cocktail yes, and food it's styling. shot so beautifully, right? I, um, I would lucked out. I got the same graphic designer who's done a number of my other books. The photographer is Neil Santos, who's in Philadelphia. And the styling, some of that mod styling on the chapter title pages that are really whimsical and fun is a woman by the name of Kelsey Windmiller. And I agree, it's just a... They did a gorgeous job with it. Oh, it's just wonderful. I just, I got such a kick. I went through reading this book smiling. <laughs> oh, that's great to hear. Now, yeah. let, 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 I, I want to check. On, I want to check on something from because I don't remember asking this question the last time we talked, which is a couple of years ago, I guess. Where, where did you get the name Darlington? Yeah, Darlington, my family Darlington came, came over place. originally. Yeah, Darlington in England. I think um, our ancestors set sail from uh, Newcastle um, right. back with William Penn. Yeah. All, wow. all, all the way back. <clears throat> all the way back to, yeah, settled in the Philadelphia area and, uh, with William Penn. And the Stockton and Darlington Railroad was the, was the That's very right. first... Real railroad. Yeah. Pa- 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 yeah. Power my base. understanding is my relatives were involved in that back in the day. Oh, Went okay. from there Philly to Reading, I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, uh, we our son lives in in Harleyville, outside of Philadelphia, and okay. he wants us to yeah. move there. But I, I, I'm not a suburban person. I can't stand suburbia. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. It's important to stay involved and active in the city. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, when I lived in Philadelphia, which was for seven years, I lived smack in the center city. In fact, I, I only walked places for the most part. Yeah, I love Philly for the, its walkability. It's one of the reasons it's so great. And um, actually, a few nights ago, we launched a bar menu in Philadelphia. Um, sometimes I launch in New York, but this time we launched in Philadelphia, which was great. Um, we oh, did the good. top floor penthouse of the Kempton Hotel, and oh, nice. um, sent me on sent me on my way. I'm doing a national tour of uh, 12 cities for this book. Wow! Right. Well, now it's a lot. Explain the concept. Let's do that. Let's start with the concept. Um, yeah, the idea, so in 2016, I wrote a book called The New Cocktail Hour, and it was kind of about how everything's changed with cocktails. They're chefy now. Um, people are really into them. They're making them at home, and the world had kind of changed. And ever since then, I thought, wow, you know, the cocktail has completely changed, but so has the cocktail kitchen and the types of foods that we serve um, with cocktail parties. For one, you know, Cocktail parties have sort of gone into you know, into decline, um, but they're kind of coming back. But they don't look quite the same. Um, you know, yeah, no, I remember my parents these... and their cocktail parties. I remember that very well. I bet they and, were fabulous. And, and, and shrimp cocktail and deviled eggs. <laughs> I mean, I yes, 
<laughs> which I have in this book, just an updated version. I know. I so saw. those are tried and, tried and true recipes. And actually, those recipes followed us from Prohibition, where in the speakeasies, um, the, the deviled eggs were very good for providing uh, protein for people that were you know, imbibing. And um, shrimp cocktail has been around in the United States for a very long time, and we think that it started actually as a shot with oysters uh, during the gold rush. So, yeah, and, see, I never knew that. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know, know that, that before either. I worked on this book either. So, um, yeah, there's some fun. And, and, of course, the cheese ball and the radish roses, some of those classic things really have gone with the cocktail over the ages. Yes, I remember the radish roses, too. Oh, right? <laughs> <laughs> So there, there's part of this overlap. I, I again, I, I get a smile on my face when I hit on something that you talk about that I remember. <laughs> you know, just, but how different the food is in your book as to what was traditional with, um, you know, the the, the old style coffee, um, cocktail party. Yeah, there's some some of those familiar things in there get a little bit of an of an update. Um, but it used to similar things. The cocktail, cocktail parties often had lots of rich food. So we think of the seafood, maybe the caviar, but certainly sort of like the, you know, the potted shrimps or the, or the, you know, the trout riette. That kind of stuff has actually gone with the cocktail for a long time. But then included in this book, too, is a lot of global flavors. Yeah, well, I was going to say, it is, you did that cruise around the world, and I'm right. sure you picked up a lot of the... A lot of that, that global tone rubbed off on, on your food choices. They are also a former Absolutely. restaurant critic, aren't you? Yep, former restaurant critic, and I did open a restaurant for a couple of years, so I got to oh, I did too. This experience full-time. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Second and South Street was mine. Oh, no way. I yeah. That, I know that. Yeah. Where that area. Yeah, yeah well, what, I, mean, what, what I don't know what it is now, but... Hmm? What years were you well, in operation there? Oh, <laughs> too long. I have to tell you what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, um, a number of years. <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, it, it, it. well, my husband got really annoyed um, about oh, the waste of time and money involved with this. And the right. only buddy who ever made <laughs> any money out of the restaurant was the bazooki player. <laughs> it was a great restaurant. <laughs> Yeah, I always joke that my bartenders, you know, made far more than I did, and all I did was yeah. plumbing, you know? <laughs> it's not a glamorous life. Well, no, but it, it certainly, I did it really young. I was young, and, and it was yeah. a good thing to do then because it got all of it out of my system. I've never been even yes. vaguely <laughs> attempted to try it again. <laughs> and, and It was funny, took, you know. Oh, And took me to dinner. And what was what was he called? Cousin Tino's love. I one of them. Yeah, there was that number. Yeah, go ahead. And uh, no, I, was just, I, I remember. I, I, was just gonna... I remember you 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 had a an owner's card, so you ate for free. Uh, <laughs> at, least, <laughs> at least you de- you decided you were going. To, so she stiffed him on the bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to have some reward, right? Oh yeah, it was. A, what an awful experience it was, but anyhow. Um, okay, so these global, we're talking about the global influences. I, I guess I want to blurt this out and get it out there. 
uh, listeners, is that the, the recipes in this book um, are just standalone phenomenal anyhow. So, um, but tell, tell our listeners how you organize it around the different, um, and different uh, booze components. Yeah, you I know, never I have knew a there lot was such of, a thing. I have a lot of um, cocktail book, you know, cocktail like appetizer books, and they all sort of arrange themselves between small and large and cold and hot, which didn't yeah. seem very useful. And I thought, you know, okay, so people these days are making all kinds of cocktails. What they want is a book that just looks like a cookbook if you have chicken in the house, you want to look at a chicken section. And if you want to have an appetizer with some friends, you can look at that. If you have cheese um, and you want to pair that, you can look at that. So this looks very much like a standard cookbook. I sort of avoided the typical appetizer book taxonomy and went kind of with like a, here's the new cocktail kitchen. Let's organize it in such a way that you can really thumb your way through this pretty quickly. And then I couldn't help myself. I, there are probably... 30 cocktail recipes in here as well. Just so, you know, mainly for inspiration more than anything. Um, I don't expect this to be a reference for that, but it's certainly, you know, an attempt to make it a reference for food. Well, yeah, um, but you, you note, I mean, it's just, if, if nobody's thinking about it, you note that there are certain elements of certain types of booze or certain booze, itself, I mean, certain items that go better with right. certain flavors. And that's something you don't get in any of these other books with cocktails. Yeah, I really wanted to focus on the cocktail as an acceptable pairing with food. I feel like when, even when I was younger and was starting out as a journalist, there was a site, and I did wine writing, so of course you're going to think this, but the wine folks sort of believe, oh, Cocktails destroy your palate. Maybe you could have a light one before you get on to the more interesting wines that are to come in the mm -hmm. meal. And that was sort of accepted, you know, tradition for a long time. And I've seen that really change where people have a Negroni before a meal or with a meal. You know, a Negroni and a hamburger or a steak is a great pairing. Um, so there's, you know, and we see people, uh, you know, pairing cocktails all the way through the meal. So I really wanted to give people a handbook it was like, listen, we have books like this for wine. Um, you know, I have a number of books that tell you. In fact, there's a whole industry of books to tell you what to eat with what, with, with what wine, right? What, but there aren't yeah. any of those in cocktails. Um, and I really wanted this to be that book that would help people sort of, there's a bit of a flavor thesaurus in it, you know, that is, is you know, I don't fetishize the pairings, but it's nice to know that, like, Gin is pretty great with certain types of, you know, soft cheese, or that whiskey is really good with, you know, cheddars. You know, I mean, not to just pick on cheese, but, um, you know, each, each, each of the liquors kind of has things that it loves. You know, rum loves fresh fruit. Obviously, that's a pretty easy one. Um, you know, sherry loves those dry Spanish flavors, so you can get into, you know, just like wine. Cocktails sort of follow geography as well. Um, but I really wanted to unpack that a little bit without going overboard on it, but give people a good idea because people are, people are scared, right? They're always scared of, am I going to do the wrong thing or pair the wrong thing? And it's like, yeah. no, you really, well, there's really no wrong, right answer, but here's some guidelines. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's, it's, I mean, it, I, I did a, a whole award-winning column, actually, on uh, people's uh, timidity around wine pairings and stuff. Right. But I, I, I saw really early on 
um, the sommelier at Le Bernardin uh, started pairing different spirits with different courses years yes. ago. And that was so yes. it was such a rarity. And, and I'm all yes. for that. Um, I, I, I drew the line at one point, unfortunately. Is, I mean, I don't want to say bite the hand that feeds me. But um, we, we did do at the Nonino's uh, tasting room, we did, they did a pairing of grappa with an entire luncheon, course by course. And I, I found that a little bit difficult. <laughs> I love grappa <laughs> in its moments, but I always tell people that grappa is a great, if you finish a meal with grappa, or in Italy they'll always give you like two, um, it's a great way to have the biggest fight you've ever had with your partner that night. <laughs> <laughs> If you finish with grappa, um, there's a, you know, it's got a high sugar content. There's a lot of alcohol there. Um, it's a really good way to ruin a great meal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, the, every course was paired with grappa except for um, the fish course. And, uh, and, oh, you must have been rolling out of it there. Was, I, well, no, I, I had a deal with the uh, server. If, if the glass was close to the edge of the table, no matter what, how much content it had taken away. <laughs> Ah, perfect. Yes, the secret gesture is important there. Otherwise, you'd be pouring it into your soup or something, right? <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like the, the, the late queen's purse. <laughs> you know? <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, grappa is dangerous. You know, they, they have those, um, you know, they have all kinds of after-dinner drinks that just happen to be really high in sugar, so they can... They can really put you over the edge if you've already had a, quite a few bottles of wine with the meal. <laughs> I would think. Now, give us, give our listeners an example of what you think is a very creative pairing of, of a cocktail with a, a recipe. I mean, yeah, good question. I mean, one one of the fun ones um, is of course James Bond, who pairs the Vesper with potted shrimp, and it is an incredible pairing. The Vesper done these days is usually um, tanker. You know, it was originally Gordon's, but Gordon's dropped its alcohol content in the in the liquor, so it's old uh, Tanqueray. Um, and then you use like, kind of a coquille Americano, which has a little bit of like quinine um, edge to it. So in the gin and tonic universe, without um, any of the tonic, uh, and that's a really fun one. But there's all kinds of um, I, I found a few in history that are really fun. I really love halloumi. I think halloumi is a cocktailer's best friend. It's that hard cheese that has a high melting point. Yeah, um, you know, I love something I can pull out of the fridge, you know, warm it up on two sides. I put carob sauce on it, um, which is a <laughs> little tr- a Cypriot trick. Um, and I found a really fun, um, there's a Cypriot brandy sour um, that was created on the island. And it just goes together. There's something about, the brandy and the lemon, you sort of make a lemon juice with the brandy. Um, so a little bit like a, like a French 75 minus the, the champagne. And it just really works. And then, of course, um, another fun one that I love that people don't think of doing is you can make uh, an old-fashioned with gin. And these days, there's so many incredible gins around the world. I pick on Indian gins. Um, because they have such a wonderful spice box, and Indian gins yeah. in the last even five years are really amazing. And you can make it old-fashioned with that gin, 
and it pairs with Indian food really well because often I'm looking for like, you know, what pairs with this takeout <laughs> that I'm having? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, a daiquiri, of course, a, also go. We, we did a program on, on London gins probably, oh, 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 nice. yeah. probably five or six years ago. And one, one particular, yeah. the, the, the only part of the name I can remember is the number. For some reason, it was so-and-so, so-and-so, number eight. Right, nice. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so you know, London why, really led the way. We, yeah. asked, we, we, asked the, we asked the company why they chose that name. They said it took us eight tries to get it right. Nice. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, we're in a brave new world of gin. Yeah. Well, there's, there's been a major controversy over the years over what... What was really in Bond's martinis? Were right. they vodka martinis or were they gin ma- martinis? What was the vermouth that was in them? Right. And I, and I, I, as I recall, it was Lillet or something bizarre like that, which was yeah, it was Lillet. But on, on, yeah, what's crazy is that it was Lillet, but Lillet has changed their recipes. So some of these old liquor brands have changed their recipes to make them, quote-unquote, more palatable for modern audiences. But that was the yeah. modern audiences of, like, the 80s, you know? So now yeah. we're sort of back, and everybody wishes that Lillet still tasted that same, which Lillet used to be a little bit bitter, and if you've had it recently, it's very floral. Hmm. Now, people are also getting more creative with distilling. Um, what, what was it that the island people... What did they make with breadfruit? Have it. Well, they they made vodka. Oh, the vodka oh, with breadfruit. Yeah. How about that one? Of a cachaça type thing. I forget, <laughs> I, forget, I forget the name of the company, but it had it had the name of one of the West Indian islands in it, and I can't oh, okay. That would be fun to taste. It was very good. That was, I mean, it's, it, yeah. I mean, it, it really had so many different layers of flavor. It's just amazing. You have yeah. some unusual selections here. What ever made you think of pairing booze with rice? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I travel in Asia, and actually I eat quite a bit of rice uh, myself, and I, I feel like rice is another one of those staples that have really you know, risen in the United States. I think um, we were all on noodles for a very long time or whatever the, whatever the starch was. Um, but... It's it's interesting to pair with rice and rice and rice based out, uh, distillates are really on the rise. Some stuff like shoju, of course, we know sake, but uh, the yeah. Korean and Chinese liquors are coming over um, in force now, and uh, they're a fascinating category to explore. And they're wonderful and delicious, and they're much more in between liquor and wine. Um, so they're a really fun category for people to explore. Sweetheart, you, you remember, you, you mentioned a little bit ago Aldo, Aldo Som, who was the... the oh, yeah, Aldo Som. ...sommelier at, uh, at Le Benedin, and, and he made liberal use of sake. Yeah. Yeah, what absolutely, because they have such a great fresh fish. You know, I love their menu, which is basically, un, it goes from untouched to touched, right? I think they're... they're their menu and and that kind of you know just fresh uh, things from the ocean go really well with rice distillates like a sake or soju. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, there are so, so many new spirits coming out of the Far East. It's yeah, unusual. every day it seems like it's hard to keep up with. Yeah. Um, I, I still don't know. I mean, how did you work with this photographer? I mean, I'm looking at this image, and it heads up your chapter on poultry. And it's yeah. a pair of tongs with what looks like a, um, a, a parsley stem. And, um, <laughs> and, and that's not twine. It looks like that, um, what do you call those things that come around veggies and stuff? Yeah, it, it, that was a really, I remember that specific shot. So we decided to do these chapter notes, and some of them came really quickly. There's a fun one of the sort of Hawthorne strainer with the, um, you know, cheese. I like that. And, cheese, uh, that's yeah, a favorite. We were trying to replicate, like, okay, let's, you know, evoke this chapter. Um, and the poultry, you know, we didn't want to put raw chicken in the picture or, you know, yeah. something that was unappealing. So we decided to trust these sort of, like, um, ice tongs, <laughs> like it was a bird, <laughs> <laughs> and add a little, you know, you know, when you when you trust, sometimes you do the little like spice bag. So we're like, oh, let's get a little piece of parsley in there. Oh, that's that's just, it. That was the result of just a really good time in the, in the <laughs> studio. <laughs> and you were drinking, obviously. <laughs> no, actually not. Unfortunately, we drank um, we drank at the end of the of the set. I think we shot for four days. Um, and I bought everybody some champagne at the end. <laughs> oh, that's good. Now, and you you tackle some really difficult um, things like. Fried artichokes with lemon and mint. What to drink with yes. that? Uh, I love something Italian like an Americano, but you can go gin with that as well. Um, it goes in a, a variety of different directions, although I do think that vermouth is amazing with it. So something with vermouth. Even a Manhattan is kind of good with fried artichokes. Or something lemony, so you play on the bridges. It's something I talk about too, you know, to pair a cocktail well, you can look at these flavor bridges. So if the food has something lemony in it, it's going to go with something like a French 75 or, um, you know, even just a, a whiskey sour or a gin sour probably for the case of artichokes. Um, the fried artichokes are, I think, scary to people, but they're so easy to do ultimately if you get your timing right and you get your oil at the right heat. Um, and then just a little sprinkle. And it's amazing, you know, a little sprinkle of, um, you know, mint. I put mint on mine um, just to bring out a little, a little brightness, again, that goes with cocktails so well. Um, but I wanted to sort of, the whole book, the attempt is to, even though they, the items might look exotic, I'm trying to demystify it and say, hey, you don't have to go to a restaurant to get uh, fried artichokes. It's this easy to do yeah, for yourself. Yeah, we ought to and, we um, don't make a point of that, that this is, decidedly intended not for somebody going out to a restaurant to figure out what to order. This is actually, uh, you're making the cocktails and the food at home, right? Right, right. You remember that restaurant we went to in, in Healdsburg that had two, two Michelin stars? Yeah. And the, and, the, and the cocktail maker used to pick wild herbs on his way to to work. Right, exactly, yeah. Oh, nice. I forget. Yeah, 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 yeah that was wonderful. 
He, he wrote a book. But that was the one where they had to serve a, a fork with the cocktail on I mean, it. I was never sure oh, wow. until I proved to that. Farm to, farm to uh, glass, huh? I, I yeah, wanna, right. I want to change direction just a little bit. And, and forgive, forgive me because of my di- difficulties with eyesight. You may, have, you may have covered this in the book, and I just didn't see it. I'm wondering about the power of the consumer, and let, let me give that let me give that uh, know, uh, a reason for suggesting that. You remember when the makers of Maker's Mark decided to increase the alcohol oh, content right, yeah. of, of, the, right. of their bourbon, and there was such an uproar on the part of drinkers of this particular bourbon, which which I love, by the way, and I'm sure you do too. Yeah. But but, but there was a outright rebellion, and they had to change the formula back to what it was in the first place. Is, <laughs> right. Does the does the consumer have that kind of power? I think so. And one of the interesting things that I've seen during the pandemic is that they have a real power of force uh, of change for the good. And as during the pandemic, because nobody could go out, they bought cocktail books or they looked online or they looked at YouTube and found out how to make their favorite drink at home and actually really raised the level of the consumer, which is just fantastic. Nice. Um, and it's something well, that you, we you needed to happen. That with and I hope this whole new prohibition movement thing. I mean, this. I, I know. Yep. Um, they're trying to put you out of business. What's it called? <laughs> so they're, trying, inter- they're trying to put our guests the, out of business. The, no, right. the non-alcoholic movement sort of thing? Yeah, but it's called something. What is it called? Prohibition. Yeah. Temperance. Yeah. I think temperance. 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, been we've interviewed in people all over the board on this, you know. Um, there's, yeah. I, I actually never actually did the, the email, but I made a note uh, to contact the, this guy who has a whole liquor store, <laughs> a liquor store, whole store in Manhattan, or is it Brooklyn, um, that, that deals with um, non, on, non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic yeah. Yeah, which is, I mean, they go to great lengths to um, to make interesting flavor profiles of these things. But it's still, yeah, a, absolutely. But it's still, but it's still a sin. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's 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 been an interesting it's been an interesting movement. You know, I always feel that it's important, especially around the holidays, to provide certainly non-alcoholic options with cocktails that aren't judgy. You know, so people don't see automatically that you're having a non-alcoholic and harass you about it, whether you're, you know, whether you don't imbibe anymore or you're pregnant or you're someone's designated driver. Um, You know, I I like to treat everybody the same. I do think that some of this NA liquors, which are quite expensive and really, if you think about it, not offering really any product in the bottle necessarily, some are better than others. And we can mimic gin and we can sort of mimic whiskey. Um, but it's definitely, uh, you know, it's definitely a marketing ploy, a lot of it, to get it's people expensive. to buy I read nothing. an article yeah. on this. Nick yeah. Bodkins is the name of this guy. His store is called Boisson. And, and okay. the, the prices are enough to set you back on your heels. 
yeah, it's 50, 60 bucks for a bottle of something that you don't even know what it is. <laughs> you know, well, and, and, and often can be accomplished with juice or with, um, you know, some of the traditional things that we've, we've used for a long time. Because, you know, even the best of the non-alcoholics, they're not going to make a great martini. They will make a pretty good mixed drink, I've found. But if your cocktail is spirit forward, uh, what are you replacing, you know? So there's nowhere to hide for that product. Right. Well, I'll tell you, this, um, this is full of hints and, and tips that are going to make you feel uh, just sort of like if you've had a little too much buzz and you think you know it all, you're going to know a whole lot more if you read this book. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I'm so glad you enjoy it. Yeah, listeners, again, it's Andre Darlington, and the book is called Bar Menu. And uh, boy, it's it would be fun to just go through and and do cocktail parties around whole sections of it, you, you know, around yeah. the, the different spirits. Yeah, it'd be fun, fun yeah, to do. Absolutely, absolutely. Andre, what's absolutely. next for you? If you've done all the cocktails in the world now, what are you going to do? I'm doing a um, right now. I'm running for Corto, a book uh, for the Big Lebowski movie, which is in its 25th anniversary next year. Sort of a cult movie with Jeff Bridges. Yeah, what are you um, doing with that? I'm doing a cocktail book for that for the movie. So are that you comes really? out in the spring. Yeah. So and oh, it, that's it, it was fun. a really joyous. You know, it's a hilarious movie. So the book is very fun. yes. So yes. it's it's very different than some of the more serious books that I've done. So I love it. It was a really it's a really fun project. Well, keep enjoying it. I can't wait to see the book. Yeah. Um, and then for Bar Menu, um, I, if, if people want to find me on tour, I'm going on tour across the United States to 12 cities. All of that is out at uh, my website, andregarlington.com, and I'd love to see people at uh, any of the events. Do, Great. Do, that, do that website again. It's just my name, andredarlington.com, and there's a tour date okay. out there, and also has access to um, all the books if people want to buy the books online. Good. Right. I'm going to list that. Dot com. Good. Well, Very good. Andre, cheers, cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much for having me on again. It was wonderful to yeah. talk to you again. Yes, you too. Enjoy um, North Carolina. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Oh, right. Now, um, I said to Annette Joseph before we started recording, just reading this book, seeing the pictures, makes me homesick. It's been so long since I've been there. Um, your, your region, could you put it on the map? First, let me mention that the book we're talking about is at the table of La Fortezza, and as a matter of fact, it is in fact a fortezza that you bought. You and your husband, right? That's correct. We bought a 12th century fortress about eight years ago, and uh, we renovate it and we use it for um, women's retreats, usually food forward or shopping retreats. 
some photography and styling retreats. I was a stylist at one point. Still am. <laughs> uh-huh. So um, anyhow, but was there a lull with the uh, pandemic? Uh, well, we were shooting the book during the pandemic, so for me there was no lull. Okay. Uh, we were trying uh, to get all the chapters shot in season, which was challenging. Uh, the photographer, David Loftus, is from London, as was most of my team. And mm-hmm. so sometimes they could come and sometimes they couldn't come. So we had to be very clever about how we shot the book. So the book, At the Table of La Fortessa, is about the region of Lunigiana, which is uh, northwestern Tuscany. It is near La Spezia Carrara, and it is very close to Parma. So it's in a very interesting, unique region of Tuscany. We live in a 12th century fortress. Wow. And, and you divide your time <laughs> between um, the U.S. And, and, uh, and Italy? We do. We do. My husband and I um, both live in Italy eight months out of the year, seven to eight months, and then we're here um, in the United States four to three months out of the year. Um, we usually come for the holidays. I love Thanksgiving, so I'm usually here in November. Oh, yeah. Now, this is an area, I have a picture of it in my mind, although I don't believe I ever spent very much time there, and I've spent a lot of time in Italy. It's not a very uh, tourist-traveled area, is it, Lunigiano? Well, it's not very touristic for Americans. I mean, there are a lot of, um, you know, Brits that live there. We have tons of Germans and Dutch. Oh, I was going to say, you're talking about the, the beach. I mean, we, we used to laugh about them, how the, the, all the Germans would pour into the beach resorts on seaside and, and, and then turn into lobsters. red. <laughs> Yeah, we live in an area that is very, uh, it's very much like Colorado or Wyoming. So it's very uh, sportif. So there are lots of, you know, there's lots of biking, there's lots of mountain climbing. We are near the ocean, which is lovely because we can go to the beach if we want to. And, um, you know, there are beautiful waterfalls, gorgeous hikes. So, um, you know, it, uh, of course, you know, not to throw everybody in a bucket, but the Dutch love to do outdoor activities, as do the Germans. And so it's been a very popular area with Europeans. Um, there aren't a lot of Americans there, although after I wrote my book, Italy is My Boyfriend, which is my memoir of how I came to live in Italy, uh, our area of Lunigiana became much more popular. So there are a lot more American speakers around in our village. Oh, yeah. In yeah. Um, which is very similar to what happened to Frances Mays when she wrote Under the Tuscan Sun Cartoon. Right. It became very, very popular, yes. So, yeah, and I, um, I thought of that book immediately when you said you renovated your uh, uh, your place. <laughs> Her right. stories yeah, of work. Is, yeah, Frances is a dear friend, so we've definitely commiserated about renovating and um, upkeep of our places in Italy and our old, our old, old places in Italy. But yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a passion project for sure. Yeah, and so what exactly do you sponsor there? What do you have? What kind of well, retreats? We do, we, we do retreats. Yeah, we mainly do uh, women's retreats and private retreats. Um, usually food forward, since um, I'm 
connected to the slow food movement in that area. It is a UNESCO-recognized territory. So um, not only is the land protected, but also all of the food products are very uh, protected. And um, so we do a lot of food-forward uh, retreats, women's retreats. We do um, yoga. We do um, styling and photography. And we do shop, prop shopping, shopping retreats as well. Um, and we do privates, which means that you kind of, um, you know, we custom build your retreat with you and five other friends. So it's, it's super fun. Oh, <laughs> and get booked very quickly. Yeah, we've got one really big one coming up in June that is a 10-day retreat that I'm doing with a friend of mine that owns a vineyard in Chianti. It's a family-run vineyard. So you're with us for five days at La Fortessa. And then you're with her for five days, and she has the most spectacular vineyard dinner you've ever been to in your life under the stars. It's really a coveted um, event in Tuscany. Now, what is, distinguishes um, the, the uh, cooking of this region? Well, what I found is that it was not only a very clever cuisine, but it was something that I had never really been exposed to. So it was a lot of medieval cooking. There's a lot of cooking with chestnut flour, which was something I was unfamiliar with. Yeah, well, this this and is then, interesting in your book. Yeah, um, and I yeah. can't remember, we, we were in some area of Italy where everybody was out with sacks collecting um, the chestnuts that fell off the mm-hmm. trees. Yeah, uh, but what? What? Where was that, Peter? There's a there's a there's a mountain not too far away from. We well, can't remember what it's called now. Uh, and but they would the, the cars would run right over the chestnuts. And we yeah we 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 stayed we stayed there and it was so was so cold and wet, we decided that we would cancel the rest of our stay at this particular oh, wow. property and and go, and go on to the Go on to the next one. But they certainly were getting a lot of chestnuts. I wondered what in the world they were going to do with all the chestnuts. Well, what we do with them is we take them and we dry them. And once they're dried, they're slowly, slowly dried in a shed called a secatoria. And they dry the fryer, them and of course. grind them into flour. And when you use chestnut flour, you have to sort of... Um, Use it with a little bit of um, regular flour just to lighten it up. But it, it's uh, I I have a YouTube channel called All About Annette, and we show everybody how to use chestnut flour, and and do uh, we're now loading uploading all the recipes to my cookbook because some of them are very unusual, and so it's nice to see somebody actually do the recipe just so that you know that you're doing it correctly. So yeah, so we're. We're in the process of uploading all those videos right now, and they've been really fun and fun to do and very popular as well. Well, as you've already mentioned, you've, you're active in the slow food movement, which, of course, comes out of um, out the, the north of Italy there. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I, I was very impressed with the um, – you, you, where is it? Was it in the introduction where you just list – all the, the real local foods that you get. Where mm-hmm. where was that? Can you? Just... Um, I think well in the in the inter, well in the introduction I talk about um, how seasonal it is where we are, and how we um, yeah here here it is local purveyors or we um, grow it ourselves. 
you know, it's just with the exception of Modena, where our balsamic vinegar comes from, and Parma, where our Parmesan cheese is produced, everything is sourced not more than 30 miles from La Fortezza. Most vegetables, fruits, and herbs come directly from our own kitchen garden. We are lucky to have wine from our vineyard, mushrooms from the nearby forest, animals are hunted in the area and butchered down the road, the dairy provides us with all of our milk products, I buy regularly and seasonally from local shepherds, fishermen, beekeepers, olive presses, flour mills, and truffle hunters. <laughs> this is this is essentially Italian country life. How how wonderful! And you said that many of the cooking um, recipes, the preparations themselves, haven't changed since the Middle Ages. Yeah, exactly. We have like an ancient pasta in the book that's an Etruscan recipe. Um, yeah, so that was one of the things that really interested me about the area that I had not been exposed to after living in Italy for 20 years. This was something very unique, and so I explored it and studied it and researched it for five years before writing the book. Um, so it's been, it's definitely been a labor of love, this book, and it really is introducing people to a part of Italy that they're unfamiliar with. And yeah, it's so rich. not anything I know that, and I've spent a lot of time in Italy, and it's not an mm-hmm. area I'm familiar with. Um, what did you do before you took on this project? Well, I have been a uh, stylist, a photo stylist and producer for most of my career. I worked in interiors, and then I started doing food styling. Um, I've been food styling for the past 12 years. I've written three cookbooks, um, Picture Perfect Parties, which is also from Rizzoli, Cocktail Italiano, which is about the Italian Riviera and the Aperitivo lifestyle, um, and then this book, um, At the Table of La Fortessa, which is also a Rizzoli book. Um, so, and then I've written two memoirs. I've written Italy is My Boyfriend, about our journey to Italy. And then I've also written a new, my new book that came out in June is um, my Italian guest book. And it's about the retreats that we conduct. So I started conducting retreats about 12 years ago when um, – I started to morph my career a little bit. Um, I wanted to spend more time in Italy, so I did all these styling retreats, and they were popular. So I started doing them when we lived on the Riviera, and then I kind of needed a larger space. So we found this beautiful fortress. I'm making this sound super easy, but it was really difficult <laughs> to read about that in my book. But, um, and we wanted a space that we could house our retreat guests and host them so we are now doing that and uh it's it's really fun we meet super interesting people um you know it's a real women's bonding sort of um environment and uh we just we have a great time i've made a lot of really good girlfriends and a lot of our guests that have come have also made really good friends and it's fun to see them go on and travel together and, you know. It's oh, nice. Fun. It sounds like fun. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool to see. <laughs> what, what, give, can, you, can you give our guests, our, our listeners, an idea of, you know, a five-day retreat? What, 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 what happens to you? What, what do you well, do? Well, we have, um, so on my website, which you can find if you just Google in at Joseph Retreats, it'll come up. But on my website, we have a list, you know, we have those schedule listed. 
But essentially, you arrive on Wednesday evening. We have a paratiba. We have dinner. It's sort of a meet and greet. Everybody tells everybody else what they do and what their interests are, and, you know, it's, that's all really fun. And then the next day, we usually go to local purveyors. They're, um, you know, anything from the flour mill to the olive press. If it's a September retreat, we can um, pick grapes in our vineyard. Uh, it's relaxing, yet we get a lot done. So I like to have that fine balance between being able to hang out at the pool and have cocktails and visit, but I also like to make sure everybody gets out and meets everybody. Um, we have uh, purveyors that make uh, local Amaros. We have purveyors that do um, ancient bread ancient pasta we cook in the kitchen so we make pasta or focaccia we have a pizza party where you make your own pizza you can learn how to make dough if that's of interest of course we drink all of our own wines we have a rosé and we have a white and we have a red rosé is new i made our vintner make it a couple years ago it's quite good i love it delicious it's perfect for summer and then we also we'll sometimes we'll do a day in modena one of my friends is a balsamico um, artisan purveyor. Oh, you know Massimo, right? You know our, Massimo Botura, our friend. You know right, them. I do. I do. Yeah. I do know them. And yeah. um, so we, you know, we go to Modena. There's a Balsamico Museum in Modena. We, go, we can go to Parma. We can visit a Parmigiano uh, factory. So there's there are so many things that we do, and then we have um, a free day usually on Sunday, so we're usually running around. We come home and relax a little bit. Every night we have a peritivo, and we have dinner. And, uh, you know, now, who cooks? Me, that's the favorite. We have a local chef, um, okay. Leonardo. If you watch my YouTube videos, you'll meet Leonardo because he helps me with my videos, and we have a very funny um, back-and-forth banter. He's great. Very. Yeah. You, you do have, we should mention, you have these wonderful vignettes about the people um, in, 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 in your life there. Right. I mean, yeah. here, now here's one. Um, who's this? Manolo Lucchini? I Manolo. Can't remember mm-hmm. it, Manolo yeah, Lucchini. Vintner, yeah. Yeah. And he, he sure is cute. <laughs> You know, he is really handsome. <laughs> but if you don't have a handsome vintner, I mean, in Italy, like, why even bother, right? <laughs> Actually, the whole family is very handsome. He, he, um, he has a brother he works with as well, and his dad comes up, and his uncles and his aunts, his mom, and they're all lovely people. You know, they're lovely people. They're like family, and they come, and they do the harvest for a couple of weeks in September, and you know, we, we love them. They're, like I said, they're like family. Yeah, well, I, I would recommend uh, the readers um, to actually explore these. The, the, you have a different color paper, and it's a, um, these little vignettes. But the, the people, the, just the profile, the way you profile it, gives a real sense of the character of the area and, and of what, what the lifestyle is there. And I think it's really important that's to the book. No, that's really good to hear. That's, that's exactly what I wanted to get, you know, that's what I wanted to convey to get across. And it's lovely to hear that because obviously the message came through. But, you know, we would be nothing without our vendors and our purveyors and our food artisans and our growers and, you know, our vintner. And, 
the man, the groundskeeper, our gardener, um, Gianluca, is the glue that holds us together, essentially. Yes. He's also featured in the book. And, yeah, it should give you a sense of, of our life there. It's, it's a very busy country life. Um, it's extremely um, fulfilling. I feel like I'm... You know, I'm living my life, which yeah. is sitting in traffic in Atlanta, which is where we live yeah, no. part of the time. You know, I'm like, you know, this is a waste of my day <laughs> sitting here. I could be staring at the Apennine Mountains instead, which uh, I do appreciate. And, uh, yeah, so that's what the book was supposed to get across, sort of the feeling of where we live, the Lunijana and the proud people of Lunijana. In fact, they don't even consider themselves Tuscans, although they're part of Tuscany. They consider themselves in a Jay-Z, which, um, you know, they're, they're very proud, hardworking, lovable people. I mean, I love everybody in that book. In fact, one of the guys in the book, my muscle farmer friend, Paolo, was on Stanley Tucci's show last night. Oh, really? We were super <laughs> yeah, I, I, proud I, I, of him and excited for I, him. I watched the program it's a very good program. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. It gives you a nice, uh, broad overview of Italy. And, um, yeah, it's super fun. And uh, and I think Paolo really enjoyed uh, having Stanley on the boat. Although, full disclosure, the boat they took Stanley out on is not the boat that we go out on. I wrote <laughs> in my Instagram story today, I'm like, why do we get the small boat? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now, we've, we've hinted, but uh, let's be specific, that your book is organized as your life is by the seasons. Uh, Correct. And, yeah, and the, there's, there is a, a, a full activity jammed a calendar in your life through all these seasons. Tell it's us a true. little bit about that. Well, you know, I think before I lived in the Lunigiana, and I, as I said, I lived in Italy for 20 years, but I'd never lived in the countryside before. And before I lived where we live now at La Potessa, I really was not as tuned into the seasons as I am now. So uh, now I, I'm very, uh, I re- really understand how things grow and when they, um, you know, when they need to be harvested, when they're mature when they are, will be maturing, um, and then also what to do with these products because, yeah. you know, in where we live, everybody uses everything on the land. So Yeah, you our, say that throughout your book. Yeah. You use absolutely everything. Even, we you know, do. if something's I mean, left yeah. over, you, you find a use for it. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. The idea of food waste where I live in Italy is just out of the question. They're they're very, very good at repurposing, thinking about how they're going to use things, not overbuying, which I will say when I had an American chef uh, with us um, for a few years, there was a lot of food waste. So a lot of not only food wasted, but money wasted and, uh, and resources wasted. So uh, when I had... This one, one, one chef of um, a restaurateur was complaining about his chef because he had the highest parsley bill he ever encountered. Exactly. You know, it's like we grow our parsley, so that doesn't matter to us. But to me, it was like the cheeses and the salamis and the, you know, there was a lot of waste. And so with uh, Leonardo, he is a master at no food waste. And it's just amazing. Like at the end of retreats, you know, there's lots of people, there's lots of eating, there's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and snacks, and all the things. 
And when I open the refrigerator, there's barely anything in there. I mean, we obviously, when people leave the retreats, you know, we eat the whatever's left over and edible in the refrigerator. But still, the food waste was just um, highly reduced when we had an Italian chef come work for us. Well, yeah, um, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I wish that I've had your roasted cauliflower recipe. I keep trying to do it right, but you have a, a recipe in here um, which has anchovies in it, anchovy paste. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that might be the the trick. That might be what I could do to make it. I mean, I basically don't think roasted cauliflower is very good. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's a good recipe. We just finished filming end of September the next installment of At the Table of La Fortessa recipes and we did make that cauliflower and um, I mean I think it's really delicious it's also really delicious as like a leftover in salads the next day so Mm -hmm. you know we use it that way as well but um, one thing I will say about this book is that it is a great book for vegetarians I have a lot of friends that are vegetarians also a lot of our guests are as well so there's a lot of hearty vegetarian fare in this cookbook, lots of interesting recipes that throw it in a different direction. So I think for vegetarians out there, this is a great book because we eat, it's one of the regions in Italy that they eat a lot of vegetables. So they use tons and tons of vegetables in our region, yeah. um, which is very cool. And I, you know, I always really appreciate you know, it's close enough to Liguria. Ligurians also use a lot of vegetables, so it's close enough to have that vibe. Yeah, I, I can I can remember, and and remembers too that, that depending on where you are in the country, you you don't get many vegetables on the plate, and and you and, well, and right. in particular misses that she's she's not a great vegetarian, but she does like her veggies. Yeah, I, yeah I think Liguria or, or Lunigiana is a good place for you to eat, for sure, because there are lots of vegetables in our region. There's a You should really try the uh, Torta de Erbi, which is the vegetable tart. It's like yeah, a tart with that. greens in it, with shard. It's so good. Well, you so know, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, my family background is Sicilian, and uh, mm-hmm. there was a, a, a bread, a stuffed bread that was – a family recipe uh, and that was always referred to as spinach bread and bread but um it sounds delicious. It, well it really was originally made with um swiss chard and cheese yeah. well, that, and yeah, yeah it's really, and it's a complete it's, meal yeah yeah it's delicious absolutely it's very similar sounds very similar and sounds very delicious yeah of course do you do you say that uh, bitter is a is a popular flavor in your area as well. I mean, yes, and, and you yes. even have agrodolce uh, recipes in here, which is what the Sicilians' are, uh, cuisine is based on the agrodolce. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, you know a, a lot, lot about Italian cooking. I'm so impressed. Pardon? I said, you know a lot about Italian cooking. I'm so well, that's impressed. how I was raised. <laughs> I grew oh, up with so it. Impressive. I mean, not that many people know about all these little, very subtle things about Italian food. Everybody well, really I mean, thinks it's spaghetti and meatballs. Come spaghetti on. and meatballs. Well, I don't know if you know this, but um, Lydia Bastianich, I'm sure you know her, she, she did one of her cookbooks. She's done a gazillion cookbooks. Um, mm-hmm. But one of them was how 
what the items were that were substituted for for Italian items when these when uh, Italians emigrated to the U.S. and uh-huh. and, yeah. and and and, and substituted ingredients. And yeah, and and it was really fascinating to see um, how how the recipes differed with um, when, right. of availability. Now, of course, there's a lot more um, that's well, available. Well, the internet there is. I was going to say that in my resources in the back, you know, a lot of people get nervous about the ingredients, but all the ingredients that are in the book oh, you yeah. can acquire here in the United States. I okay. did have to do a little shifting with some of the ingredients because. The uh, seven chidiale uh, flour that I buy, yeah. I buy from the mill, and it's a little bit different than the Molino um, brand that I suggest. Um, you know, it's just a little bit different, that's all. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's similar. I mean, it's not that different, but, um, I mean, it sounds terrible to say, but, you know, the the ingredients are so fantastic where we live that – it's going to be really hard to achieve the exact same flavors, but right. they're very close. You, well, you know, I, I, I keep opening this book for for some reason. It falls open on this um, your basic egg pasta dough uh, because it's uh, it features the the technique of making it and cutting it and hands and and just mentioning Lydia Bastianich now. She said that because of her cookbooks, that they all if you notice. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. It just came to me one day that she has a lot of, of photographs of her making things with her hands. So the people actually, her hands have become celebrities. They can recognize Lydia's hands. <laughs> right. So, but well, those, the, are, those are Leo's hands. So, And Leo's hands have been in a lot of my cookbook. And then he's also on the YouTube channel. So people recognize his tattoos. But uh-huh. um, yeah, he's he's a really yeah. I kept looking at the tattoo, the sleeve tattoo. I kept looking yeah. at that, trying to figure out if you actually have a sleeve tattoo. No, that's not me. That's a man's hand. <laughs> I hope my hands don't look like man's hands. I mean, yeah. You 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 talk about um, which season is it where they have all of the um. Uh, the food festivals. Oh, the I mean, sagras in the summertime, yeah. Oh, I love it. July well, and August, I, and then a little bit into September as well in our area. Some of the some of the festivals we've gone to um, and just have made the trip worthwhile. Uh, where, where was it? We were at um, we were at an artichoke festival, right, Rabbit? Yes. Lodis, Everything Lodis, was made of artichokes. In the in little town of La Disposa, La Disposa which, which was owned owned by, it was owned, was owned by John Paul Getty, the property was. Uh-huh. Sounds gorgeous and delicious. Yeah. I mean, we also love artichokes. The whole spring chapter is full of recipes with artichokes. Right. right. And rabbit, you know, I can't get a decent rabbit here. <laughs> I mean, that was yeah, another no, thing I was raised on. I know. Well, part of the reason I put rabbit in there, I mean, obviously you can substitute chicken, but part of the reason I put rabbit in there is because it is such a sustainable protein, and uh-huh. it's something that we need to eat more of in the United States. Um, you know, it, it's something that Italians eat all over Italy. I mean, it's a very popular meat 
when I lived in Liguria, I would have it about once a week. You know, we have it a lot in Lunijana. It's something that is just easy to raise. Um, you know, it's something that you can hunt for as well. We have tons of hunters around. And uh, it's very... Yeah, that's a sharp deal you have that in exchange for letting them hunt on your land, <laughs> they give you the product. That's fabulous. Yeah, it's a, sweet, it's a sweet deal. We're all very connected, which is really nice. I mean, if I need fresh fish or fresh trout, it's pretty easy for me to get that, you know, like right from the river. You know, it's like I, I feel very spoiled with the way that we eat. It, I mean, I hate to say it when we come back to the U.S., we kind of like are like, ugh. And my husband's for the first time spent, my husband's retired. He's a retired surgeon. He just retired this year. So he's not spent as much time as me living there. And he was there for three months. And I think now he's noticed a difference. You know, I made a salad for lunch for us. And he's like, no, it's okay. (laughs) And I don't have a garden here because I'm not here enough to cultivate it. I did have one for a long time. But um, so our main garden is in Italy. Right. Um, well, listeners, what can I say? I mean, there's a reason why people are totally crazy about Italian food, and it's what the real deal. You can get it in, in this book by Annette Joseph at the table of La Fortezza. And uh, why don't you give them your um, your web address again just so people can see what all is available and sign up for programs okay well the easiest thing to do is to google my name annette joseph and retreat and it'll pop right up and you can peruse we only have two retreats available next year in june september is full with privates yeah we have privates all the people that came to our other retreats have now booked private so september is completely full which we're really excited about but we have a food forward retreat that's a 10-day retreat and then we have a shopping retreat where you go shopping with me that one is almost full um but yeah i mean join us in 23 join us in 24 (laughs) um we would love to see you and cook with you and if you guys are in italy please let me know we would love to cook you dinner and show you our space, which is quite gorgeous, and we love I so bet. much. Yeah, and uh, I really do appreciate you talking to me today about my cookbook. Well, I mean, I'm, I I love Italy, and, and I just love being transported back there in spirit, so I thank you for that experience. <laughs> oh, it's really, believe me, my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Annette Joseph. Thank you so much, Anne. You guys have a great day. Thank you, Annette. And enjoy your book tour. It's it's mm. kind of wicked, isn't it? It is I mean, what it is. I mean, <laughs> I meet a lot of cool people. Let's just say that. I had one last week, and I had some.